Lord, we sing your name today because you are worthy. You are powerful. You are great. And nothing compares to you. Nothing compares to your name. We worship you today because you are worthy of it. You deserve it. It is what we were created to do, was to worship you and to live our life for you. And our life is more than just coming on church to worship together, as important as that is. Our life is to live out that worship in all that we do, everything we are, wherever we go. And so, Lord, today I pray in this place that you help us zero in that, focus in on that, Father. I pray today, Father, in this place for things that are on our hearts that are heavy. Maybe it's a choice coming up, a decision we have to make. Maybe it's a job decision. Maybe it is relationship struggles. Maybe it's just not seeing eye to eye with a situation or someone. Lord, help us today. Help us to expect the best. Help us to ask in faith, God, for your will. Sometimes that's you opening doors and sometimes that's you closing doors too, Father. And that's hard sometimes, but that's why we trust you. We ask in faith. Father, we ask for help in our perception of things. Many times our feelings or our perceptions drive us in a wrong direction. So help us today, God. Help us in that. Lord, I pray for those physically um, struggling today that can't be with us. Maybe they're watching online. Maybe they've been going through something, physical sickness right now. Lord, I pray for your healing. I pray for healing in this place for some today, whatever that might be. Jesus, you are still in the miracle business and the healing business. So, Lord, we ask those things in faith as well. Lord, help us to lean in to who you are, your character, your heart today. So we look at some amazing stories, God, that you did to show us how to live. Father, may it come alive in our hearts today. May your word pierce us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for being humble, that humble servant enough to shed your blood for the remission of our sin, that we could be forgiven and have life May we walk in that today, Father. We don't know you, but we come to know you today, Father. We love you. We praise you. May your spirit continue in this room and move us as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, isn't it funny how we are kind of obsessed with celebrity. 
I mean, I don't know about you, but like we get excited about, you know, like the award shows, right? We get excited. Some of you women, let's be honest in here, you get excited about seeing what dresses the ladies have on as they come down the red carpet, right? We have this kind of fascination with, with famous people. Now, we've got young people in here today. It's Worship Together weekend. I know this is going to not be great for Facebook Live, but I'm going to come down here for a minute. Young people in the room, have you ever met anybody famous? Anybody? You ever met anybody famous? Yeah, yeah. Who have you met? Who have you met? Somebody tell me. Who? All right, all right, awesome. Who else? Anybody else? Nope, John's pointing. Who else? Gracie, who you met? Justin Bieber. Whoa! All right. <laughs> yeah, top that. <laughs> ah, all right. Very good. Hank Aaron. Wow. That's a tough one to top too, isn't it? Toby Keith. All right. Good. So what happened when you met these famous people? <laughs> You're disappointed. <laughs> no, what happened? It's surreal, right? I mean, it's like, wow, whether it's the history of them, what they've accomplished, what they've done, or man, you're in the presence of somebody famous, and it just, it just kind of does something to you. I, I told you I always had this thing about running into professional wrestlers in the airport. You know, I'd see these guys on TV, and then I would see them in person, and it's like, I don't know why I'm meeting these people, but I'm meeting a bunch of professional wrestlers. And it was weird, because you see them on TV, right? And then now you're seeing them in person, and they're way bigger in person than they are on TV, it's surreal. But we have this obsession. We kind of have this obsession with famous people, and, and, and we, want, we want to know about them. We want our pictures with them. We want autographs of the people that we follow. And as you think about the life of a celebrity, I'm sure that it comes with some things. I'm sure it comes with some perks. It comes with some things like more money than they know what to do with, people to help you kind of do everything. Um, you see a lot of them with entourages, if you will, around them everywhere that they go to protect them and to make sure that, that people don't go crazy on them or anything like that. There's a lot that comes with that, but, but we do. We live in this, this culture that worships celebrity. And here's the thing. Our fascination with fame distorts our perception of greatness. You see, our fascination with fame distorts our perception of greatness of what it really is. And with it, it distorts what kind of person we should admire and aspire to be. We are in this series called Jesus as we're looking at these next few weeks of who he was and what he was like and what he came to do and what he expects of us as those that follow him, as Christ's followers. And last week we talked about that we saw that Jesus was and is God in the flesh, the eternal God becoming a man, dwelling among us to show us what a relationship with God is all about. And what is our objective? It is to know him and to, to walk with him and to have a deep relationship with him and become like him. But today I want us to talk about 
an aspect of Christ's character that anybody can imitate. There are many things about Christ that we can't copy. For instance, we are never going to be God. We, don't, we can't create the universe. We can't die for the sins of the world. We will probably never walk on water, even though some of you might go try it. But this one thing we can imitate. One aspect of Jesus' character that we can fully and completely do. Now, if anyone deserved the celebrity rock star treatment, it was Jesus. If anyone deserved to be treated like a celebrity, waited on hand and foot, it was Jesus. But that's not what happened. I want to take you through some scriptures today. And the first one I want you to look at with me again is John 1. But we're going to look at verse 10 and 11. If you have your Bibles today, we're going to be all over the place. But you can also uh, check out our Bible app online at the, at the, the zip code for Highland Hills Church. Look at what John says here. He says, He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. As we learned last week, the very creator of all, his own creation didn't receive him. He could have demanded such treatment. Why? Because he's God. He could have lived like royalty during his time on earth because he's God, but he didn't because he came instead to show us what true greatness really looks like. What true greatness is, what true greatness does. You see, when we look at Jesus, we look at his life, we not only lose our fascination with celebrity, but we really get an idea of what our life should look like. You see, in the final hours of Jesus' life, look at what he said to his disciples. Luke 22, verse 27. He says, for who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I'm among you as one who serves. Look at what he also said in Matthew 20, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. You see, Jesus' ministry was absolutely marked by humble service. During this time, the disciples were witnessing some amazing things. They were seeing more miracles than they could count. People healed of every type of affliction. Two who were raised from the dead. They saw the forces of nature obey his command and the demons literally tremble at his name. They heard him teach with authority. They saw the power of God at work through him. And there was nothing weak or timid about him. And yet in the midst of all of this power, there was this humility. There was this humble service toward others. That's what drove him. That's what defined him. He was a man for other people. That is what we can imitate. I want us to look quickly at some events in Jesus' life this morning that give us this picture that reflect this attitude of humble service. 
And the first place I want to go to, I know it is the end of April, almost May, tomorrow. But let's go back to Christmas. What? I can't think of Christmas right now. Let's go back to his birth. The very circumstances of Jesus' birth. Because the Christmas story shows us that from the very beginning... Jesus' life was all about humility. Because here, here is the king of kings came into the world as a tiny babe. He could have announced his birth to King Herod. He could have announced to the religious leaders of Jerusalem or to Caesar or to the emperor of Rome. He could have announced his birth to the greatest of the great. And he could have persuaded that it was in their best interest to receive him. But that's not what he did. What did he do? Instead... Whom did he announce his birth? It started with a young teenage girl who was about to get married. Mary. And then to her bewildered fiancé, Joseph. And then some wise men, astronomers, if you will, who traveled the months to find him. And then to the group of shepherds, minimum wage workers on the bottom ring of the socioeconomic ladder. That's how he came announced. And where was this king of kings born? Not in a palace, not in a stable, not, not surrounded by servants and staff, but surrounded by possibly animals. <laughs> the circumstance of his birth tells us that there is nothing pretentious about Jesus. No sense of entitlement. No expectation of, of things. Instead, we see this attitude that says, hey, what's good enough for those of simple means is good enough for me. If anyone had the right to say, this day is all about me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it in style. Jesus had that right. How many of you young people in here today, you like your birthday? Who loves it when it's their birthday? Come on, young people, participate. <laughs> right? What, what do you like about your birthday? What? Cake. <laughs> Cake. Great. It's a good answer. What else? Gracie. Presents. Presents, right. And all these things. Go ahead, Dan. Friends. Good. Now, what do we know about all of that? I mean, presents, cake, friends, party, whatever. It's all kind of about you, right? Why? It's your birthday, right? People are coming to celebrate you being born. And that's exciting. And birthdays are okay. Don't mishear me this morning. But when we look at Jesus' birth, the very circumstances that surround it tells us that Jesus is not easily impressed with power and prestige. He didn't seek approval of other people. He didn't seek the approval of the elite. He chose instead to use this young peasant girl and a working class carpenter, wise men, simple shepherds, because these people, the ones whom society overlooked, overlooked and whom history is never likely to remember, these people mattered to him. And if you're in here today, I don't care where you come from, what your bank account looks like, where you work, you matter to God. And when we look at this picture in the circumstances of his birth, we can learn a lot. God has called each and every one of us where we are, in who we are, 
in our own situation. I don't care how much, again, money you have in the bank or where you work. Listen to me. He's called us to live a common life of those around us. What I'm afraid of is in our rich America, and some of you in our church today, some of you watching on Facebook Live, you make a lot of money. When some, if someone was to look at your tax return, you make a lot more money than some other people. And what I'm afraid of that money has done to America, and even for some of us in this church, is we think we're too good to live a common life with other people around us. Jesus' life says, man, you know what? This is not about, there's no sense of entitlement. There's no expectation of special treatment. There is none of that. There's no chasing after prestige. This is, this is kingdom stuff I'm talking about. Some of us, you know, I'm not afraid to be honest. Some of us walk around when we enter a building or we get out of our car or we go into work or we whatever, and man, it's like the red carpet should be rolled out because here I come and I'm just, you just better be glad I'm even here. That's not the spirit and the heart of a Christ follower. It's not the spirit and the heart of where God wants us to be in the journey of his kingdom. When you demand that you be given special treatment or you're demanding for yourself something that, you, you know, those kind of things, you're demanding something that Jesus never demanded for himself. And he was God. He said, what's good enough for the simple is good enough for me. And that should be our attitude as well. I think if we will take that heart on, difference we can make in this community and beyond now I want to show you a second thing and it kind of goes hand in hand but it shows us that he had this low-key approach to public recognition Jesus had a low-key approach to public recognition I want to take you through some things to show you this morning first of all if you go to Matthew chapter 8 you see the story of this leper coming to Jesus and he says he just plains ask him he says Lord in Matthew 8 he says if you're willing you can make me clean. Will you do that? And the Bible says that Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the man. Now, by the way, that in itself tells us volumes about Jesus because lepers were untouchable in the culture. You didn't do that, but Jesus did. And he reached out his hand to the man. And as he touched him, he said, I am willing. Be clean. Wow. How many of us would do that? I'm willing. Be clean. Sorry, I'm sidetracked. I've got to tell you a quick story. I was at Scott this past week helping recruit soccer players at lunchtime, at, or excuse me, at Woodland. And right in front of where we were set up was the special ed group of kids. And this, they got done eating, and this one kid comes right up to me. And he just wanted to meet me. Remember, I'm recruiting girls, and this boy comes up. And it just was sweet as can be. And, and the kid, you know, had mustard. He'd had a hot dog. He's got food all over his hands. You know what? I still took his hand, and I hugged and I loved on him. I could go wash my hands later, get the mustard off. Should have left the mustard on for the day. 
That's the heart that God is calling us. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. And he said, he said I'm willing to be clean. And then Jesus said something that leaves many people confused. Look at verse 4, Matthew 8. See that you don't tell anyone. What? In the very next chapter, Matthew 9, he restores the sight of two blind men. And the Bible says in verse, 9, uh, verse 30 of chapter 9, he says, Jesus warned them sternly, see that no one knows about this. Wow. What? What else? Mark chapter 7, Jesus heals a man who neither could hear nor speak. And, and the man came to Jesus in a crowd. Jesus took him aside, away from the others, away from the center of attention where he could be alone with the man. And he healed the man. And then he was able to hear and speak. And then the Bible says, Mark 7 verse 36, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. Again and again we see this. Jesus performs a miracle and then he says, don't tell anyone about it. Now that leaves us to be like, why? Right? Why would he do that? Well, there's many speculations. He didn't want to draw a huge crowd that would restrict his movements or that he didn't want to make his entire ministry about healing. Those are all very good answers. The Bible never tells us. It never tells us why he said don't tell anyone. It only says that he said it. We can speculate about all those reasons why, but here's what we know for sure. Jesus had no interest in using people to promote his ministry. Not at all. I mean, think about that. I mean, could you, can you imagine today, and, and, and I know this is not true for everyone, so please bear with this example, but can you imagine today a celebrity doing something good for someone and not using it to their advantage? I mean, it's like they go and they do something, and man, they want all the pictures taken. They want all the stuff there so we can immediately get on social media, get to the news outlets and say, oh, look at that, right? Let's see what kind of buzz we can create. When Jesus healed a hurting person, I know there wasn't social media, but he made it very clear I'm not using this to promote my ministry. I'm not doing this for positive PR or for the crowds it will draw or for the fame that will come my way. I don't need you to be my walking advertisement. I'm doing this, listen, because I love you and I care about you. You matter, and that's enough. I mean, shouldn't that be our heart? Shouldn't that be our heart in every ministry we serve in the life of this church? That other people matter and that's enough? See, the lesson that we take from this is this attitude that Jesus had towards self-promotion is we can do good for others, not because of the benefit that comes back on our way, but because the other person's worth it. I wouldn't be where I am today if somebody else didn't think I was worth it. And that's how we have to love, whether we get recognition or not. That's how we have to care. By the way, people will notice content over packaging. We've been talking about that the last few weeks. Pretty easy to read. You're not fooling anybody. I pray as we walk and we do life with others that they see that care in us. And that leads me to one more thing. Jesus, his personal needs, took second place to his purpose in his life. Luke chapter 9, there was a man that comes along and 
tells Jesus that he will follow him and do and go wherever he goes. And look at what Jesus' response was to him in Luke 9, verse 58. He says, Foxes have dens, and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Wow. It's not an answer that you get, right? When you tell someone normally you think, when you, hey, I want to follow you. Most people be like, all right, come on, let's go. He's like, no, check this out. Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, first of all, I think Jesus was saying that the man would know that what? Following him comes with a price. This isn't just easy peasy, pray a prayer, let's roll. This is going to come with a price. And it's a question that we have to ask ourselves, is it a price we're willing to pay daily in our lives? Because the life of a follower is not an easy life. But in saying this, Jesus also tells us something about himself. He's telling us that as far as he's concerned, his life is more about the ministry that he's called to do than it is about creating this certain level of comfort for himself. What do you mean, Russ? Well, tell me the backstory. I'll tell you the backstory. In his ministry years, Jesus was a traveling rabbi. What did that mean? Well, he wasn't homeless, but he was on the road all the time. And it was a life of hardship. But for Jesus, it was worth it because he was willing to spend his time traveling from town to town, sleeping sometimes under the open skies out in the middle of a field because he was fulfilling his purpose on earth. And for Jesus, listen, fulfilling his purpose was more important than living in comfort. I kept asking myself this week, what would we give up of our comfort to truly follow him? There's a great story that happens in John 4 where Jesus and disciples are traveling through Samaria and they stopped at a well. And at this well, the Bible says that Jesus was tired, so he sent the disciples into town to go get some food. And while Jesus was at the well, what happened? He had a conversation with a Samaritan woman. And after that conversation, out of that conversation, it resulted in her salvation. The disciples come back with the food, right? And here's what happens beginning in verse 32 of John 4. The disciples came back with food. They asked Jesus to eat something. And he said, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Another amazing answer. And then his disciples said to each other, could somebody brought him food? Man, what is going on? And he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. It was like he was saying to his disciples, hey, I just had this amazing conversation with this woman who experienced complete life transformation. And she is now learning how to worship God in spirit and truth. And she's telling everyone she knows about it. She's been changed and she's excited. Who can think of food at a time like this? Right? For some of us, that fire is missing. 
We see in the Gospels that Jesus' top priority was not looking for his own needs but, and not seeing to his own comfort, as we've been saying. Tell you a quick story. This last Sunday afternoon after church, we had a first impressions training. We had a good response, lots of volunteers. Went very well, the training. Excited about some new steps we're taking there. And at the very end of the meeting, we, we passed out cards to kind of let people fill out their information, tell their availability. And we put a question at the end of the card. And basically the question, and we didn't probably word it very well, was basically to say, hey, what limitations do you have? What problems do you have that would keep you from serving in some of these capacities? For instance, if you couldn't stand or something for a long time, we wanted to know that, all right? Now, for whatever reason, the way it was worded, we got many responses back from the people on the team, with many of them saying, please don't put me outside. Now, mind you, parking lot's one of the expansions that we're doing in the First Impressions team. One of the things we talked about is being outside to hold umbrellas for guests as they come. Now, I know a lot of people are hearing this, and I'm not trying to embarrass our church. But it was amazing the amount of cards that came back that said, please don't put me outside. I don't want to be in the weather. I don't want to be in the cold. And I have to say, you know what that says? That says I care more about my comfort than I do helping other people in the parking lot. Folks, sometimes the reality of where our heart is is revealed to us in ways that we don't want it to be. And I'm telling you that not because I'm mad at you. I'm telling you that because I'm wanting to encourage you because this is the heart that Jesus has. And if we don't have that heart as Christ's followers, how are we going to lead other people to? Some of us, and I'm being brutally honest, we are way too comfortable. We like our habits. We like our ducks just right. And some of those ducks have been there for years in how you come to church here, what you do, and how you do it. But we have to remember the mission and not our comfort. Because if it's about us, then, 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 then what is it? What are we doing? Oh, yes. There, there is a lot that happens in the life of the church, edification and growth and spiritual disciplines and, and discipleship and all of those things. Don't, don't mishear me, and I'm not trying to, but the mission is still the most important thing. And we're needing folks that's willing to go in the parking lot and hold an umbrella. So if that's you, let me know. It's amazing we've had more teenagers and other people that's willing to do whatever it takes. You know why? Because the young people have a fresh vision of the, of the mission. And I just want to say to you, it's nothing against you older folks, and I know you will say, I've done my time. Right? Your time's not done until you're in the grave. Sorry to argue with you. We're not asking you to go in the parking lot every week. But man, what if we just had some people that care about helping parents with little kids get inside the building easily? 
how far will that go? Why? Because the Father was more worried, Jesus was more concerned about fulfilling his purpose on earth and serving the needs of others than he was his own comfort. And you see it again near the end of Jesus' life, just days before his death, when he, he took a towel and a bowl of water and he washed his disciples' feet. The Bible says he did this to show them his full extent of love for them. When someone experiences you on this campus, no matter if you're on the worship team or you're handing out a worship guide or you're downstairs, you know, coming out of a, a, a small group, a life group, whatever, do they see the full extent of Christ's love out of you? Here's a lesson that we can learn. We all have purpose, and it involves much more than seeking comfortable lives for ourselves. In fact, when you're fully engaged in pursuing God's purpose, your own needs take what? Second place. Your greatest satisfaction comes for the love that you show other people and the good you do. Listen, we talk about this all the time. When you surrendered your life to Christ, it's not your life anymore. It's his. Are we living like that? If anyone had the right to say, it's all about me, Jesus had that right. If anyone had the right to say and demand his way, do you have any idea who you're talking to? Jesus had that right. If Jesus had any right to demand preferential treatment, he had that right, but he never used it. Instead, he chose a life of sacrificial service. He said, what's good enough for everyone is good enough for me, and I'm here to minister to others, not use them to further my fame. Living out my purpose is more important than living in comfort. There are many things about Jesus that are beyond our ability to imitate, but taking on this attitude is something that we can do. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. I'm going to read it even kind of slow because I want it to sink in. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Wow, what a, what a picture of humility. Jesus gave it all. <laughs> Will you give some? <laughs> he came to show us what true greatness is. And that's to be the servant of all. What does that look like in your life? We'll never be more like Jesus than when we're serving other people. Because that's how we can be just like him. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Some of you here today... 
Jesus is calling you into a personal relationship with him to be like him. No, we will never be sinless. We will never do the things like I talked about earlier that Jesus did. Can't save the world. But we can surrender our heart to him. Say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner that needs to be saved by your blood, by your saving grace. And we come to him and we say, Lord Jesus, save me. Forgive me of where I failed you. Forgive me of my sin. And so for some of you, your first step today is to follow the humble servant with your life by humbling yourself unto him. A simple giving of yourself. Doesn't mean your life's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean after you give your life to him that things are just going to be whatever. But man, it is a step, it is a start towards walking in his truth and his love and his strength. Walking in forgiveness of sin that you can't forgive, sin that you can't work off, sin that you can't fix. So will you come humbly today and give your life to him? I hope you will. I'm going to be down front. I would love to talk with you about that decision in your life. Others in this place, you're, you may be sitting there and man, you say, man, living this life of simple means, what does that mean? Meaning maybe today for you, it's you're not happy. You don't have the best of everything. If you don't have the best of everything, you're not happy. What is God dealing with you on that? Maybe you're seeking that recognition or title in your life instead of seeking loving others. What's God trying to show you in that? Personal needs and wants are dominating your life instead of God's purposes for your life. Your comfort. What is God showing you in that? What's he asking you to change today? How will you respond? As we sing together, it is a chance that we have to respond to what we've heard today and how God is leading us. At your seat, at this altar, we respond. Maybe you need to come for prayer. We'll have some prayer warriors on this side over here. They'd love to pray with you if you've got something you just want to pray with someone about, a concern, a need. I pray we respond all over this place. God, that we give our best because you gave your best. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the examples of these stories, God, where you healed people. And you showed it was never about your fame. It was never about the glory. It was never about calling attention to yourself. But it was always putting the purpose that you were sent first before your desires or wants or comforts. Lord, I pray today all over this place that we see that picture, that we respond, that we change, God. We get out of our habits. We get out of our comfort so we can be used. Nobody's saying we are all called to a mission field to give it all up. Some of us are. Some of us are just called to simply get out of our normal spot and move. Thank you, Father, for that. Move us today in Jesus' name. Amen.